there's an opportunity to change the role of how IT is viewed within any organization. So many organizations are evolving uh, right now, and it, it requires a business-minded CIO and an open CEO and CFO, et cetera, to uh, be willing to allow folks to be at the table and to work at getting to the table. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. In my book, Amplify Your Value, I describe the journey many IT departments find themselves on. The journey from being an ad hoc and reactionary department to being a profit generator for their organizations. Today, we have the opportunity to talk with a CIO who has made this journey. Not only does he have the scars to prove it, but he has done it. His department has become a profit generator. It is my honor to welcome Pete Williams, CIO for Butler University, to the show. Welcome, Pete. Hey, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Glad you could join us this morning, Pete. Uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation. So I, I know you've been with Butler for almost five years now. Can can you tell us about the journey you and your team have been on since you arrived there five years ago? Sure. So it's it's been a lot of fun. We started out kind of, um, you know, we're just getting to know each other uh, and looking at the mission of Butler University and where where we could contribute and, and how far we could help enable the, the mission. And so we started out really kind of uh, at, at the beginning of the conversation. You know, we had an idea for revenue and some things that we'd like to do, but we were really kind of at the stage where we were having the conversation about the thoughts and ideas that, yes, we could impact the customer experience and that meaning our students, um, you know, we have a number of folks on our on our staff that actually teach as well um, as adjunct faculty members. But uh, for those that do not, even just making the statement, yes, you have a you have a connection to the student experience, our customer experience, and um, and our what we work on and what we deliver helps students succeed, and and so therefore we are tied to the mission in a unique way. And so at the beginning, we were having those kinds of conversations that. Uh, in effect, sort of justified our existence, right? And we had some back and forth on that uh, so that everybody felt more comfortable even saying that out loud in front of other people outside of our department, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, so that was sort of a step one to see that we could have an impact on the shaping of the university and, and how we, more than how we operate, but, but how we deliver on value. And so um, that was sort of a beginning step to to some of these other conversations. And if we were to look at the higher ed market space, uh, you could probably describe it as, if we're being nice to it, we're describing it as volatile at best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And, and uh, it really links up an opportunity. Uh, I think that's, that's just awesome. Um, our, our market space is in some turmoil. Um, we know there's some significant demographic shifts. The cost of education has continued to increase. Things in the middle class income uh, perspectives are, are changing. If you look at the graph, nothing lines up, right? So yeah, uh, it's yeah. making some challenges, and there's there's good question about the value of a, of a college education, uh, how much it costs to attain that, and what's the value output afterwards. There's a whole bunch more to that, but in short, started out in the conversation. Yes, we contribute to that mission, uh, but then two, 
you know, we might, we might have that conversation on revenue, meaning we know we need resources to be able to, to improve the experience, to look at the cost. How do we reduce the cost? How do we increase the experience and the success rate uh, for students? But how do we do that without adding to the cost of the whole organization? So we're not asking students and parents to pay more so that we can work on the process to make it better mm-hmm. while they're here and for the folks that follow them. And so we really needed a... Um, a funding model that didn't add to the debt of the institution, didn't add to the weight of uh, the financial pull uh, on the institution. So we said, look, let's just, uh, while we're here, there's some things that we could do that could allow us to generate some revenue that we could put directly back into getting to our core mission mm-hmm. and sort of changing the game for us in a way that we're not having our hands out asking. Uh, since my name's Pete, I always joke that we don't like to rob Pete to pay Paul. <laughs> And, uh-huh. <laughs> and yep. right, and so so I'm like, hey, we, we can't we can't rob Pete to pay Paul. So what we need to do is go. We need to go make some bacon somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. of aligned with what we're doing, and then and then give it back to Pete so we can go do some more with Paul. Uh-huh. Perhaps, right. So, uh-huh. yep. <laughs> so we've been on this journey, uh, and we've had amazing support from from our president, who uh, has got an an amazing entrepreneurial, innovative mind and our chief finance officer of the same thinking and, and allowing us to be creative this way mm-hmm. and create the, the actual mechanisms that then allow us uh, to look at things a little bit differently. Um, then we're able to gas pedal innovation, eliminate old processes, invest in new business opportunities um, that can propel us forward and differentiate uh, Butler University as a university of choice and hopefully have an impact in rankings, other things too. But But at the core of it, it's after the the student experience, um, and how do we deliver on the mission of Butler University around that? So I've got a couple of questions in here, but first I want to highlight, um, just to be sure, when you talk about your customer, you're talking about the student body or the prospects that are looking at Butler University. I always like to be clear. I'm thinking back to an episode that we just did with Matt Bellinger of Denison Parking, because when he he differentiates clients and customers into two different groups because of the industry that they're in. But when you're talking about customer, you're focused on the student, not necessarily the faculty or the administration of the university. Correct. Okay. Uh, and, and I would extend the customer view to parents of those students as well. Ah, okay. Uh, in, okay. Case, in our case, the consumer. Yeah. That's an interesting point because uh, in my past life, I was CIO for Goodwill here in central Indiana and we had high schools and we always felt like parents were part of that customer equation. So it's interesting to hear you uh, reference that in the higher ed space as well. So take us back to that conversation, if you can, Uh, the conversation with the president and the CFO about, hey, we'd like to generate revenue and we'd like to put that revenue back in the IT budget. Can you kind of talk us through how you broached that topic and what that conversation was like? Yeah, geez, and so now I'm trying to remember what I did say. <laughs> Whatever it was, it worked, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I should have wrote. I should have recorded that maybe yeah, for yeah, yeah. So I could use it again. Um, you know, it was um, it was a number of small conversations and a building of relationship and trust. And part of the reason, you know, as as I was joining Butler, we had some of these conversations that hey, our market our market space is is changing. There's opportunity there. There's going to be winners and losers. And the faster we can get to market, 
with capabilities um, and new product for new, perhaps even new customers, mm -hmm. the better we're going to be. And so we kind of had a had a market focus from the beginning of our conversations. And so um, there was a there was still conversation about no, you IT is a cost center. You cost money to yeah. the operations to to do this. And I said, well, we have, as we evaluated and built strategy, you know, some of our big stretch goals are as we build these new opportunities that generate net revenue or offset costs in other ways too, that um, could we sustain our part of the operation out of those net revenues and other mm -hmm. opportunities, right? So that we yeah. could hand back the debt we've been taking annually out of the organization, right? And say, no, here, we don't need this now because we can fund through a different mechanism. And some of it was, you know, we have these creative ideas, it's a little longer term play, but then we, we kind of have a, always sort of have a shovel in the ground on stuff as we were talking about it too. So I had mm -hmm. some examples of actually we were able to get this done and this contributed to that. Now I'm coming to the conversation about you know, even look at how we recruit talent and what kind of impact does our revenue have there and how fast can we move with some things. And, um, you know, higher ed's known for not necessarily being the fastest movers, you know, Higher ed has been uh, kind of the same way for uh, hundreds of years and, and for many good reasons too, right? But how can we, we, we had the conversation, could this revenue get us to a faster, uh, a faster way to get to market with some new ideas? And so mm -hmm. it was sort of a step-by-step -step deal. We had a couple quick wins. Um, we had uh, one component that sort of just, I, I like to say, f fell in our lap or, or <laughs> landed right in front of us, right? But uh -huh. our team worked a lot harder on it than than that, right? To make right, sure that we could right. slow the business. But but it's long term contracted ARR type revenue that scales really well. And so as we did that, like that fit well with our model. The volume didn't increment us in really much of a significant way. And and now we've got say quarter million dollars of ARR on the books every year. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's long-term contracted. Then we get residuals off some, you know, when they renew, there's just, and it, it really fit our model. And, and so then we started to think, Hey, well, you know, net revenues are pretty awesome because it, yeah. when you have a budget conversation, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? oh, wait, you're adding to the, you're adding to this. And we're just asking for permission to, uh, to expend it in a different way. And we don't have our handout. It's a whole different kind of conversation. So I think everybody kind of like that. Yeah. When we got to the table that way that we're more confirming a direction and we're not asking for dollars and then we can see the, the return on investment conversation is much different than because in terms of payout, I mean, you calculate the same and we talk about it from our perspective because it's the bacon we made that we're putting into this. So we want to see that same return. But to the institution, it's it could be a net gain because if I'm taking even a little bit of risk, what's the ramification? If it starts paying out tomorrow for the university, that's an awesome thing. And, and it didn't, the university yeah. didn't have to contribute I mean, it's all university funds, but it wasn't extra. The university had to go find to go get to then get to that to do that, that result, yeah. right? So, yeah. so it shapes it a little bit different in the conversation, and and so that's helped us kind of move a little bit quicker in some things. Um, we have a, a target to move as fast as IT industry would in getting things to market, and that's aspirational for us. Yeah, yeah. And so we're we're still working on that, um, but it was uh, some incremental wins where we could use those to one help set up the the mechanisms. So that we could uh, just, for instance, IT, let's just say IT has been a cost uh, center in many organizations for a really long time. So all the financial mechanisms and the, even the financial system itself are built to expend, not to, uh, yeah. not to make. Right. And so yeah. how do we figure out, well, okay, well, we need a whole nother setup and guess what? There's a, it's a profit and loss center and we need to understand 
well, there's taxes involved and how does this go through and what's that mean with our nonprofit? You know, all those things that, that are sort of the, the accounting principles and the function stuff, you know, we are able to use those early sort of smaller uh, wins to vet and prove that model. And then um, with some folks that are creative in our department, we looked at it and said, hey, this, this could be just the beginning. Now that we've got the base set, creativity and a few things are, are really kind of our only limit. So what do we want to go do next? Yeah. Yeah. A mutual friend of ours, uh, Glenn Keller, he's, he's, uh, he's famous for saying no one wants to talk strategy when the printers don't work. So yeah. how were you able to ensure that you had the basic blocking and tackling done and doing it at such a level that you could even entertain going off and doing something like these revenue generating projects. So what things did you put in place there to make sure that you had that blocking and tackling? And then as a follow-up question to that, how did you organize around those efforts? Is it the same staff that does both or have you broken that apart? Uh, Talk to us a little bit about both of those things, Pete. Um, I feel very fortunate when I get to join the team at Butler. So I had, we had a great beginning to work from, right? So there was a lot established here and some good rigor around operations and operational support. Uh, we're, we're real lucky to have some very talented people in, in that space for us. Um, but what we did uh, also was to, to take that another couple steps is we started to look at it from a, like, let's just say the help desk perspective. There are typical oh, yeah. systems that, you know, IT right, shops like right. to run for tickets and all those kinds of things, right? And so we took a little bit of a different approach. Uh, I think it was a bit decidedly different and a bit of a risk uh, challenge opportunity uh, with our team to say, hey, we've got this we've got this solid base. We have some rigor to how we handle things and we've got some great process. But let's. what if we were to just talk about it in terms of customer service? Um, and then, and not to say that they didn't have a customer service focus before, but um, the system itself was, you know, sort of the an IT system built for IT people to do help desk tickets, right? And those are great. And but then I said, let's let's look at it. If we're going to take a broader view and call it customer service, and let's envision that at some day that there may be other people than IT people using the system to serve our customers. Um, what would that look like and how could we approach it and what difference would that make for us? And then if you're able to, to engage in things like knowledge base and some other things that can self-serve and uh, speed resolutions on things. And if not, there's still a mechanism to connect with us. And so we took a different view uh, with a, some CRM as opposed to some of the traditional rigor and frameworks around IT and technical support. Uh, and went with a, a CRM with a knowledge base and and then subsequently have expanded to other departments now. So just looking at inbound work into areas and how do we triage and handle that and transfer it between uh, different pieces and parts of the organization in a way that we maintain yeah, context yeah, yeah. and are able to serve, to serve our customer better. We've got easily over 100 different offices on campus that serve our customers. But knowing when and which issue goes to which office can sometimes, particularly for our customers, be like, okay, I don't know where to start. So I'll start with, say, financial aid or or the admissions officer, and then they get passed around between us all in sort of a sometimes manual fashion. Um, uh, our inbound work can be a quantified one. We can learn from it. We can uh, optimize it. And in our case, in uh, on the tech side, we're able to take service requests, and our, our inbound volume has gone down year over year. It's been like something like 25%. Um, and then we're able to enable our 
frontline folks to handle stuff that maybe um, a tier two or tier three type yeah, person yeah. might handle on a regular basis. And we've also selected specific products that, that allow for that and they're, in, they're a natural fit, but we're able to do a lot more further into the life cycle or further into the responsibility chain because we're able to offload some of the, the stuff that you answer every single day, five times, right? And mm-hmm. do it in a way that serves a customer better. And then we're using that also to that same system to differentiate between the day-to-day cases, that come in and that work uh-huh. uh, yeah. and then also managing yeah. resourcing and project work in our portfolio. So those kind of things are lined up next to each other. We can balance and see how do we resource things based on that operational work. You know, when we're doing all this, we have to be careful because we've got to make sure that the lights are on and things work, right? Yeah. yeah. If we miss the, the ball on the base things and don't take care of them, we have no business in this other world. Right. And, and I, and my, my joke is kind of this is let's say our main ERP systems down or, the admissions process is not working and um and i have the lights off in my office and my boss walks in and i'm like hey can you fix you know xyz because this isn't working and i say well in a half hour i'm scheduled to ideate right now and i've got the lights off i'll get with you in a minute right like i wouldn't be here very long right yeah yeah (laughs) and so so it's it's ultimately important and we kind of look at uh you know there was a trend for bimodal and, and different ways to talk about how do you move fast and how do you handle operations and some of those models we we've kind of changed and and sometime i'd love to share it with you when we can show pictures but we re-illustrated some of the things this combination of future state cio from idg uh-huh. some gartner and some of the bimodal mixed with some brm but the way we uh, business relationship management frameworks which we think is really important as well yeah um, and we've melded it into this this diagram that we call not modal. <laughs> it's really a, it's really kind of a three horizon model on innovation and operations. But the reason we did that was that we felt that some of the models um, underemphasized the value of the operations and the innovations that can come out of operations, and then that how that can give you sort of the additional capacity, the new ideas that could then stack on top of each other to become more of a revolutionary transformation. And then those stack up to be this this huge strategic transformation kind of thing. And so we kind of put operations at the center of all we do. And then the other things stack outwardly and sort of encompass and circle around it. In some cases, some of the other illustrations put it at the base as at the bottom in a meaning it in a good way, like you have to step up to this, then you then you can get to that. But it just felt like it was at the bottom of the picture and we said mm-hmm. no it's more at the center and so we've spent a lot of time talking about how operations at the core and the center of enabling all these other things that we do and without that it doesn't give us the insight the heartbeat of the of the opportunities that are coming through our doors um, that is really the important center of where we start right yeah yeah so pete i know you just held an offsite for your team novus 2020 as I understand it, this was the first time that you held such an event with uh, with your team. Can you tell us what led up to the decision to do this? I'm sure it involved conversations with you and your team, but how did you, what was driving this uh, in your mind to have such an event like that? So we have regular all hands meetings for our staff, and it's more of a large conversation where we share um all kinds of things that are happening. University level, we bring in guests from the university and we talk about some of our things, some of our projects, learnings, and we do a number of different kinds of sessions. And those have been going good. We continue to evolve those. And um, But we've had a number of large projects that have been 
uh, taking off. We've got some portfolio companies that are really moving and they're helping us move our strategic direction. We've got um, some university initiatives. You know, now we've got a significant amount of, of net revenues under our belt and we have a fund that can help accelerate things that we do. And so over the last three years or so, it's really come to fruition. Some of these things that we started out five years ago. And mm-hmm. now that we have a new Butler Beyond strategy and capital campaign uh, for the institution, which is beginning to take more shape and we're, we've been uh, invited to participate in that shaping. We felt that while we have had always had sort of departmental retreat and strategy, we wanted to put everybody together and have that conversation as a whole group and have some uh, partners and friends that we thought could really help us contribute to the thinking of, let's take a step back. We've been running three or four different innovation hedges and, and we've been growing as a team. We're now uniquely positioned and some of these hedges we've been coaching to intersection are now starting to, some have intersected, others are, we can see where they're going to happen and we know that things are going to pop in a couple really fast ways that are going to give us really new opportunity to move forward. We're very intentional about that tying with the Butler Beyond strategy and enabling the mission of Butler University. And so we felt it was a, a perfect time to um, take a step back, inventory those mm-hmm. uh, challenges, what went well, what didn't go well, where are they going to intersect, then where is the university going, how are we influencing that, and really as a data step back, think about those things. We had a great chance to hear from from leaders at the university and in the community. Yeah. We had some, we had a just a fabulous kickoff from our president and from our vice president of innovation, and we had an, an awesome lunch presentation from a board member and an entrepreneur who also is an alum, and then we had some working sessions, and then. Uh, We had an awesome uh, uh, final (laughs) keynote to close out the day and call us all to action. Uh, And I think we want that guy back again. Hey, there you go. There you go. (laughs) So (laughs) I I didn't ask the question to bring that up, but. but. (laughs) So, you know, in in earlier, you asked a question that I didn't answer around what staff does this right Mm -hmm. Uh, on the the revenue or the the ideas and, and or how do we position last week when we did that. The Novus Day, part of it is this sort of reframing where we are right now and where we could go mm-hmm. and where we have opportunity and where our market space is going. But really what the day is, too, mm-hmm. is it's a call to participate or a call or an invitation to contribute. And so there are many times in our with our teams where we just say, hey, look, anybody wants to be involved in this? just raise your hand and participate. There's, ah, you know, yeah, need a formal yeah. invitation to do this. Everybody has a chance to jump in on these things. Now we have our day jobs. We got to get done. Right. Yeah, and we have our mission, yeah. vision, strategy, objectives, and all those things. But if you want to get involved in something here and you're passionate about it, we want you to, to be able to have a chance to contribute. So it doesn't matter your title. We just want you to be a part of it. And so, and it doesn't even matter necessarily sometimes at Butler, whether you're in our department or not, we'll work together. And it could be something as mundane as an org chart, Right. A couple of years ago, we did something similar with our org chart. We needed to align it, realign it a little bit mm-hmm. more of just moving some things around to represent how we were operating functionally to speed some things up and make things a little more clear from a responsibility perspective. And so we said, hey, anybody's interested in this, you, we'd love you to participate, because, again, when we talk about operations being at the center of this thing. Um, we want everybody to move from that center out. And then how do we innovate? And, and then our bets are are sharper. Yeah. We're smarter thinking about what we're going to do, be able to do. And that group is the one that can make some change too, because it turns out they understand process across this whole organization really, really yeah. wide and very yeah. deep because they're working in it every day for these departments. Right. So, so we have that. And then like, as an example, you know, we say, Hey, look, if, if it comes out of, we call it the, 
the director's suite uh, where we all sit. If, it, if the ideas have to come just out of that group, we're going to miss some things, right? And so we need everybody engaged. And the team got together. We, we put some sort of design thinking exercises around it. We put some objectives out. Here's why we were thinking about doing the realignment. Here's what we some things, some outputs we needed. And we had the team start looking at it and give us ideas and, and contribute. And we did a, some design thinking sessions around it. We did a couple iterations of that. And uh, prototyped the org chart with everybody and then would go back and share it to the group. They'd prototype some more. We basically took the design point blank. Just, I mean, we took it verbatim, the, the, all the lines and everything and put it into place based on what the team developed. It worked out so well. Yeah. I um, mean, it was way better that the team, we had everybody's input into that. And so we do that a lot around here and we do have to make decisions to move fast too. So we don't, um, we don't like to sit around and study for too long, but we do like everybody to have a voice and, and to feel, particularly if they have a particular passion, well, we want you involved in, and we want you enabled on this and your your thoughts and, and ideas are important to the process. So we kind of have that that invitation to, to be a part of this thing. And that was part of Novus uh, yeah. was that we're at a sort of a pivot point where we can really make some big things go now because of what we've been building on. And then how did the team want to contribute to that? And, and perhaps, um, you know, we have a goal. We kind of talk about if you look at the history of Butler University, some some very big, bold decisions and risks have been taken in the history of the organization from the core tenets of its founding to when Hinkle Fieldhouse was built to, you know, different different colleges that have been acquired or merged into what has become Butler over time and some yeah. new ones that have been created within Butler. Um, and then if you look at our market space, you look at the tech capabilities that are just exploding right now. And then you look at a, in a university who is looking to move forward in a new, unique way. The long story short, it was a call to action to our team to say, how do you want to contribute to the future? And perhaps could some of this be big enough that we, we get sort of marked on the significant timeline of Butler University? And there's some really cool things in Butler's history where uh, those decisions actually sustained the institution. Um, as an example, Butler was the second u uh, university in the entire country to admit men and women on an equal basis. And yeah. guess what? During Civil War, World War One, and World War II, uh, we were able to sustain our enrollment. And a lot of universities either closed and didn't reopen or just totally went out of business. Or at a minimum, they had to close and then reopen later, right? Mm -hmm. And so Butler didn't. Um, that was a, sort of a consequence of, I think. Of those decisions. Yeah, yeah. But I would think yeah. that it was because those decisions were the right do. things to, uh -huh. to do. It wasn't because, oh, well, we can sustain ourselves through these other things that we might might happen. It wasn't that. It was, this is the right thing to do. But as a uh, product of that, right? Yeah. We hope that we're we're making significant contri contribution to the university in a way that, that makes the future better for Butler and for the community and how we serve the community. Hey, Pete, before we wrap, I want to make sure that we talk about something that I know is is really important to you because of the conversations that we've had in the past. So let's talk about the role of community and the role of mentorship and how that helps mold uh, leaders uh, in IT and, and in other spaces. But can you talk about why those things are important today? Yeah, I've been so lucky that um, I've had so many amazing mentors. Some of them are mentoring me and I didn't even realize it, but uh, they knew what they were doing, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and, and, and I tell you what, it's how people operate, particularly, of course, here in Indiana, but in the tech community uh, more specifically, folks will take the call, they'll, they'll meet with you, they'll invest mm -hmm. in time in you. 
It just because it's the right thing to do. And it's not because there's a benefit to them. They're just contributing to the community. And for those that are listening, I would, I would, I would say this, please don't underestimate the impact you can have by just sharing some knowledge and taking a, a meeting over coffee for somebody or a lunch yeah, or a yeah. share a story of some things that, right. that you had been through to help someone else as they come up, uh, because it makes such a, a difference and, and don't underestimate the impact that has because it's, it's significant. And I've had so many people that have been uh, gracious with their time for me and being able to take that time to invest in, in others. I, I continue to learn from, from my mentors and they're just awesome. And, uh, I hope at some point that uh, I'm able to pay it back too. Um, I think I still have a lot to learn before yeah. I can <laughs> do things, but um, but I'm I'm always open to opportunity. Uh, but I would just share that I think it's it's really important for our community that we do that. Well, and I'd say Pete, mentorship is a two way street. I think uh, you learn a lot from participating and being a mentor, just like being a mentee. And I would be remiss if I didn't say I consider you one of my mentors. The work that you've done previous to uh, Butler there at Marion and then the work that you've done at Butler has been inspirational. And I think, I believe our audience will agree based on our conversation today. What I saw through a lot of your commentary are the threads of your leadership and the way that you bring that to Butler University. I think we can all learn from that. And I think our listeners will have appreciated this conversation that we've had today. As I warned you, I always like to ask our guests to give some advice. Uh, so we were just talking about mentorship and advice. So our listeners are CIOs, senior IT leaders from across the country. What are one or two things that our listeners should do tomorrow, if not today, after listening to us? Good question. Um, one thing I would share is, and I'll probably have a longer winded answer to this, but the short of it is don't underestimate the value, the business value that IT can create and how to, and that you can um, sort of, there's an opportunity to change the role of how IT is viewed within any organization. Mm -hmm. um, one thing we really didn't, uh, so many organizations are evolving uh, right now and it, it requires a business minded CIO and an open CEO yeah, yeah. to and CFO, et cetera, to um, uh, be willing to allow folks to be at the table and to work at getting to the table. But it's yeah. more of a, how do we, how do we contribute to the, to the direction and the value and the revenue of the organization? Oh, and yeah, by the way, we bring a, a tech skill set to the, to the table, which enables us to help right. change management and all these other things and operations too, of course, but don't underestimate the value that, that you can bring to that table and change and help an organization morph and innovate into its new self. So that's uh, one of my pieces that, that can be really profound. And it's not easy to get that trifecta set, right? Because you've got uh, right. between a COO, CFO, CEO, and I always joke and say a crazy CIO running in between all three of them, right? Saying, hey, I got an idea. But, but if you understand yeah, the, yeah. if you're learning the business and, and you're bringing business opportunity, you can deliver on that via technology. But perhaps if tech is not your lead, but my advice is don't don't underestimate the impact you can have. Um, similar to the mentor conversation, mentee conversation, don't underestimate the the value you bring to the table 
Um, if you, if your right. gut feels in a meeting that you can say, Hey, look, no, uh, you know, X, Y, Z can contribute to more customers here than experience there. I mean, go for it. Right. You it's, it's, there's value yeah. there and you don't yeah. have to stay in the tech silo. It's, it's much better perhaps if you don't. Yeah. Great advice, Pete. And I really want to thank you for your time and jumping on the, the call with us today. I think there's uh, several threads in this conversation that if you're open to it, maybe later this year, we'll have you back on the show and explore some of these deeper. But with all sincerity, thank you for talking with us today. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Love to love to talk some more uh, when the time's right. But uh, thanks a bunch for having me on this. This is a really great To our listeners out there, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Pete Williams. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.